I am Finn Melanson, and you are listening to the Single Track Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Abby Hall. Abby is a pro trail runner for Adidas Terex, based in Flagstaff, Arizona. We talk about the intersections between her running and her previous career in design, her decision to become a full-time athlete, sponsored life and the changing relationships between athletes and brands, her move from Boulder to Flagstaff, some non-running related topics like DIY housing and van projects, and we close it up by looking forward to what's on tap in 2022. I was a fan of Abby before this conversation. I'm an even bigger fan now. I think you will be too. Enjoy this one. Abby Hall, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Thanks so much, Finn. Uh, thanks for having me on. So I like to start almost every conversation off by asking a pretty basic question that you can take in any direction. And that is, what is exciting you most about the sport of trail and ultra running right now? I love that. I love that you asked that because I think our sport is growing so much right now that there could be a different answer to that question every month. <laughs> and so it feels like a really exciting time to be in the sport for many reasons. But the first that comes to mind for me is I feel like it's a really exciting time for to be a woman in sports in general. And I feel that especially in our sport, I feel like everyone is listening to and paying attention to female athletes in a way that hasn't been done historically. And it's something I really appreciate. And I think our sport is setting a good tone for that because it's a newer sport. We don't have maybe the decades and decades of backwards history that maybe other sports might. We can write it how we want to. And that's one thing that excites me about towing every start line right now is just like these badass groups of women and hearing everyone's stories and knowing that like the public is also receptive to and interested in that. So I've asked this question, I think 20 plus times now, and I haven't had that answer yet. This is really cool. Let's talk about it more. What are some examples of this? Like when you think about just the fact that it's a great time to be a woman in the sport, uh, mm -hmm. what are some examples to point to? I think of my background of growing up playing basketball and things like that, where I was always in this position of feeling like the boys version of the sport was the cooler one or the mm. more followed one or the more popular one. And so I think for so long as a female athlete, I got used to being like this kind of underdog in the background, not paid attention to, but to actually just be in a position where like the, the baseline is that people are interested in you and your story, like regardless of your gender, your background or whatever yeah. is like a very beautiful thing. <laughs> so yeah, I think I've appreciated, especially at races like Western States where it's highlighting like the women in the field and you hear those stories talked about and celebrated, or I feel like you see it more in events leading up to races. It seems like something people are genuinely interested in. Like, I guess like one that comes to mind was like at Western States, I did a panel with some women before and it was this like packed audience of everyone interested in coming to seeing and hearing about people from all different backgrounds, all different paces. It wasn't just like the top of the field. And I think it's, it's just cool to see. I mean, even just beyond women too, like more people being celebrated than just like a handful of top men at the sport, which is yeah. so traditionally how like athletics have gone over the last like hundred years. <laughs> yeah. And so obviously you're a great athlete in the sport, but I also get the sense that you're a big fan of the sport as well. And you track other athletes and you're interested in just like how the sport is growing and developing. Do you get a sense that when it comes to like media coverage and it comes to covering like the, the competitive side of the sport, do you get a sense that women have the same amount of coverage as men or do we still have work to do there? Honestly, I feel like it's pretty great. I think I'm, I, I hesitate to say that because I'm sure there's like still, there's, there's so many things that need to be improved. And like I said, maybe I'm just like accepting the way things are too easily. But like, I think there's definitely uh, growth in terms of prize money opportunities out there. There's a number of things that need to be like worked on from a race directing perspective or like participants and numbers and things like that. But I think from a media side, I think because so many of our ultra running media sources are 
by and produced by people in our community, there's a really a balanced take yeah. happening. Yeah, I think so too. When I think of like I Run Far, for example, I feel like Brian Powell and Megan Hicks have a similar influence on that operation. So you get uh, different types of coverage. I, maybe the same thing with Free Trail with like Dylan having yeah. one element of it, Corinne, Hillary, Keeley having another. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's an interesting conversation thread in my opinion. I totally um, agree. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, uh, have you always been sponsored by Adidas or are, have like when I, when we track back to like when you first got into the sport, what is like your sponsorship path look like? Yeah. So Adidas has been my like first and only like main sponsor by way of like, you know, like a, a more official arrangement where like, like a paid athlete, but like I had some, like early on, I was a Solomon ambassador. I used to be an ambassador for ultimate direction. And so some of those were brands I started with like really early on in the sport in like 2016, 2017. And then after a couple races, and I think it was yeah, like late 2017, I I felt like I was in a place where I wanted to be able to take things more seriously and invest in it, invest in myself, invest in the sport more deeply. And so I got in touch with Adidas at the start of 2018. And that was when they were first putting this whole team together. That's, you know, now international team of like 30 of us. And so the way I always look back on it is like, I'll believe in you if you believe in me, you know, kind of like, yeah. okay, we might not have like the products yet, but you can help us build them. And hey, I might not have the results yet, but I think I can get there. And I think there's something very cool about, yeah, just like about that start to a relationship where there's a shared vision on both sides. And I think to this day, that's continued to make it something that's a really awesome, healthy relationship is like, I was not, you know, brought on as an athlete because I was like a superstar or something like that. It was like Adidas was forming a team of people that they wanted to invest in just based on who they were and how they were approaching things. And I think that's a really unique take in the space of sponsorships and teams and things like that, maybe less of a result focus. And in turn, I think it's built something really beautiful that I'm really honored to be a part of. Yeah. So we have this conversation a lot on this podcast. This is one of my personal favorite conversation threads talking about athletes' relationships with brands. Mm -hmm. I would actually make the argument that you are one of the better athletes in our sport, but it is interesting that we're at this point in the sport where a lot of these brands are more interested in what you bring to the conversation, what you bring from a personality standpoint, uh, from a community building standpoint, and maybe less so on the performance side of things. And I think that still surprises a lot of athletes who are like, I'm putting up XYZ results and there's yep. no sponsors knocking on my door. So I'm rambling there, but do you have any thoughts on that? So many. <laughs> like, like, I think it's something I think about a lot because, okay. So I think there's multiple sides to this. There's like me as an athlete with like, my personal journey and deciding what races I want to do for a year, deciding what goals I have, most of which like happens to be supported by and overlapping with like my relationship with Adidas. But so the Venn diagram, so to speak, but then there's also this part like of like a job, like part of like marketing, storytelling, like working for a brand and promoting their product. And I think not a lot of people talk about that because it's like, it's not, it it has a tendency to sound maybe like heartless to talk about just having a job in that way. But actually I think creating a, like a separation there has been healthy on both sides and also in turn made the relationship feel even more authentic and supported by Adidas because I don't know if that makes sense. I don't feel like I am paid to be like believed in as a person. I feel like I'm that's something I need to find and seek and figure out on my own before I'm entering a brand relationship. It's like dating, you know, got to have your own shit figured out before, (laughs) before you're roping someone else into it. And, and so I think thinking of it that way has been like really freeing. And then also made me pay attention to like storytelling and like my purpose and like what I'm hoping to like, share with others in my journey as an athlete. Like I'm paying attention to that a lot more 
than I was before having a, a brand relationship like that. Well, yeah. Not to put you on the spot here, but from a storytelling standpoint, are there any stories that you're noodling on right now that you are interested in sharing from your personal life to the community? Like as you navigate this relationship as an athlete in our sport with brands like Adidas, are there themes that are coming up in your life that are like, oh, this would actually be really good content for the trail running community? Yeah. I mean, I think like the theme I'm always noodling on is one of like of pursuing goals and why that matters. That is really interesting to me from like the first finisher of a field to the last finisher of a field of like how and why this matters to everyone and, and what I, what purpose I believe it's serving. I I write a lot just like for myself sometimes and a little essay that I've been like working on for myself because I'm just trying to process this, this thought is like why I don't think you running your ultra is selfish. And I think we all like have read the race report or the thank you. That's like running a hundred miles is so selfish. Like my crew put up with my like selfishness all day. And this is such a privilege, which it definitely is. But I've been trying to dig deeper at like why I don't think it's selfish and why I do think it matters and why I don't think it's a coincidence that like, there's something so fascinating about like the whole community of ultra runners and how everyone's mind works and, how the rest of their life looks and what role ultras play in that. That's something that interests me that I'm trying to put my my finger on. So I think I'm thinking of when I talk about like self-improvement and goals and things like that, I'm not just thinking of it for myself, but I'm trying to think of it too. Like, yeah, for everyone else that's pursuing goals and trying to figure that out. What is it about your goal that makes you want to cry <laughs> yeah. or makes you terrified or empowered and like, how do those things carry to the rest of the rest of our lives? Um, so you made me think about a lot of things there, but the first is it is funny. Like we do do a weird amount of apologizing in this sport <laughs> for our running. I think half the time I encounter somebody who's not an ultra runner, I have to qualify myself as someone who's like crazy to some degree for what I do. <laughs> and, and then the same thing with like people in my family, if they're crewing or traveling with me to races or whatever. So I'm looking forward to that essay because I think it's an important conversation starter in the community. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm still piecing together what like that thought actually is. Maybe the conclusion I'll come to is actually, no, it's super selfish, but I think that there's a lot to be uh, said in that conversation that I'm just like not hearing many others talk about right now. And that interests me. I also think we just discount how inspirational our running is, whether we're a back of the packer, middle of the packer, front of the packer, not just to fellow trail runners, but to people outside the community looking in. Um, I think what we're all doing is pretty cool and uplifting, especially in a world where like a lot of us are, you know, working remotely at desks all day and we're looking for adventure and stuff like that. So I don't know. Kudos. I totally, I feel the same way. I have always abided by this rule of thumb in my life. You could call it of like when something like when something draws out a deep emotional response in me, it makes me want to cry. Like I alluded to Yeah. like press on that, follow that. And so like one, I think of a lot is like, I could go to the finish line of an ultra and I could just sit there by myself, like in the corner, watching everyone finish. And I could just sit there and cry. And because I just, I love seeing everyone's faces. I love seeing people reuniting with their families. And that's like the theme I'm trying to press on right now is like, why is it that's so powerful, no matter who you are and whatever your story is, there's something there. And I I love continuing to figure out what it is that that draws out that emotional response in me so much. Well, as a fan of your career and just a fan of the sport in general, I think I'm looking forward to whatever content you produce on that front. So thanks. Very cool. This is a peculiar question, but like I understand that Adidas is relatively am I and sorry, am I correct in saying that Adidas is relatively new to the trail scene? Like their trail line of products? Yeah, I would say Adidas Terex is the outdoor sector, you could call it, of the overarching brand of Adidas. And Adidas Terex has existed for a number of years and been making trail products for quite a bit longer than I've been working with them. But it was right around when I started working to them that there was a like way more concerted effort to put a team together. So the products were there, but the the pouring into a group of athletes was something that 
started around, I think, 2017, 2018. Gotcha. Well, maybe we can talk a bit about how they think about building a trail running team, because as an outsider looking in, when I compare what Adidas has built compared to the Ultra team or the Hoka team, you guys seem more team-like than other sort of stables of athletes. So maybe talk about how that happens. Cause like I've seen you guys do like retreats before. It seems like you travel on mass to races, you get yep. houses together. How does that all come together? Yeah, it's so cool. I really love this group of people a lot and it's become like each year that's gone by being a part of it, it's become like a more meaningful and important part of my life. And I've been a part of teams over the years in high school and college and I think coming from that background, you learn that there's there's more to it's like we'll use the high school example. There's so much more to being a, a team than all going to the same high school or all having the same mascot. It's showing up for one another at their races and cheering for each other. It's doing workouts together. It's like having someone to, you know, talk to when you're like down about your injury. It's, you know, having someone to go out on a snowy run with or a hard training session with, there's a lot more to it than just that, say that shared high school mascot. And so I think the same thing applies in our sport as adults running around the mountains now of ultra running. I think there's so much more to being a team than all wearing the same logo and all having contracts, the same brand. And that to me doesn't necessarily like we label that as like a team, but a team is a lot more than that, in my opinion. And I feel like, I don't know. I think it's been, it's been really cool to see it grow. Um, When we all started up together a few years ago, there, we were a group of people from all over the world getting to know each other. And I think it really like has taken, yeah, like I said, deeper root each year. And that's just because there's like starting to be some real meaningful history there of start lines we've shared, times we've crewed each other, like, you know, pacing each other. Like we've all been there for each other in ways that are just really meaningful. And yeah, I think that just having the athletes as people and humans in mind first. Yeah. That being the focus is what's made that successful. So like our team manager is not just saying like, okay, let's get the fastest 30 people in the world. It's like a very like, uh, I think carefully like put together group of like different personalities, different backgrounds. And there's a really cool, special mix of people. So it's not just results and like you have a bad year and you're out the door. It's like, I think there's a lot been a, a concerted effort on investing in stories and people in yeah. sorts of corners of our sport. <laughs> Do you, this question is pure speculation. So guesses are totally encouraged, but Given the experiences you've had on this team, do you think we'll ever reach a point in the near future where athletes that are uh, running under the same brands are encouraged to live in the same communities? Like everybody in on the Adidas team like comes to Flagstaff and is there for like very, ex- maybe either permanently or for extended periods of time? Or do you always imagine like it's really only possible to meet up like sporadically and like at races? You know, I think... So like like the those of us that are in the US here definitely like I would say meet up quite a bit and then when international travels available to us like this last summer we were all able to like spend a good chunk of weeks in Chamonix together training and prepping for all of us for various races at UTMB. So I think like there's maybe it's realistic to say getting together for training camps and things like that based on what country people live in but I think like part of what makes the group diverse and awesome is like that we are all from these different places and some of us are skiing in the winter. Some of us are like retreating to warm places in the winter. And I think that diversity in uh, backgrounds, places, languages that makes it pretty special. I want to talk about your background in design. Mm, yeah. Uh, so in, in doing research for the episode, I, I found that you used to work at Training Peaks. And for those that aren't familiar with Training Peaks, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sort of like a compliment to Strava, right? Like if you're getting coached by somebody, it, the data there and whatnot is, is really useful to have and you can put training plans together. Perhaps you could talk about that experience, what you learned from it, 
and uh, maybe any thoughts you have working on the design for that platform and like how we could apply that to other platforms like Strava and stuff. Because I think that design is so cool and having a design mind is so useful in our world. So I'm rambling again, but yeah, take it wherever you want. Yeah, totally. Training Peaks was an awesome spot to work. I worked there the first few years that I lived in Boulder. And yeah, like one of the most fun parts of working there was just like that appreciation and understanding for what I was up to on the weekends and outside of work or catching lunch rounds in the Lobo Path there in Boulder and bringing my laptop to the Normatech boots in the gym. And <laughs> there's like a, a certain company culture that was like a really cool thing to be a part of. And yeah, even though I don't work there anymore, I still use Training Peaks every day. I'm in that product all the time. I work with my coach, Jason Coop. He and I use Training Peaks as our primary way of tracking my training and communicating. And I think that is one of the things that the tool does best that you don't see in a Strava, say, platform at the moment is that ability to communicate with a coach through comments and also just like having a deeper set of information available, like privately. I think, you know, I'm also on Strava every day. <laughs> I love Strava, but I feel a little bit more like Strava is the equivalent of like, you know, your like Twitter feed or something like that versus like training peaks is like your journal or like what's actually happening. And so maybe that's just like the way I approach it, but like I write in far more blunt detail about my training and training peaks than I do outwardly on Strava. And so I think it's a really nice tool for, for that level of communication. And yeah, it's very cool to like, you know, be able to historically view my fitness trends over time, things that correlate, things that don't. It's a great tool. Do you have any request for product features for Strava? Like when you look at Strava every day, what are you like wishing that they had that doesn't exist yet? Oh, that's a good question. Gosh, I don't know. I think I like having each of those tools be like covering separate parts of my training. Yeah. I think Strava has a tendency to, I don't know, maybe it sounds like too much of a diss, but just feels like sometimes it kind of dumbs down the numbers into like graphical representations that like aren't super helpful or precise. I think that Training Peaks does a good job making that information a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more accurate and useful than, yeah, I don't know. So just for context, like my background is in politics and business. Even when I interact with the trail world, I can never take off those two hats. I'm always thinking of like, how can this thing be profitable or how can I form like coalitions and affiliations in this <laughs> thing? So I'm always, when I meet someone who's in like the design world, I'm like, uh. Are you able to take off that hat or do you view everything through the lens of design in our world? Oh, totally. I think actually I'm probably uh, more critical of training peaks over time because I was like on the inside of that. You know what I mean? And I know like, I know more about the product and how it works. I feel like I'm probably more critical because like, I feel like, oh man, I wish I would have gotten a chance to blah, 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 or give my two cents on this. And so- I think I feel that emotional attachment still to still trying to find ways to like always improve the product. Cool. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you've since left a career in design or maybe you're freelancing now. Are you freelancing? So I left my full-time design job. I was at an awesome design agency called Township. I was there for um, early 2020 to... uh, to May of this year. And I left that in May to focus on my running. And I also have kept up actually just mainly at the moment, this one project on the side, I've just finished working on all the design for Jason Coop's second edition of his book, Training Essentials for Ultra Running, which everyone should go check out. That's my plug. (laughs) But I designed all the graphics and did all the layout for the book. And so that was the one project that I've still been working on. So now that's mostly out the door. I think I'll continue to be pretty like discerning about the design work I do take on because... Yeah, it's fun to have an increased availability for opportunities with running while still being able to take on design work, not because I'm needing to film my time that way, but because it's like projects I actually genuinely really want to work on. So, Well, um, this is another conversation thread that we love to have on the show, which is runners making the decision to go all in on our sport. Um, (laughs) We can just go down this rabbit hole. Let's start by asking uh, what motivated the decision. 
it's definitely been something that's been on my mind for a bit. When I left Training Peaks at the start of 2020, my plan was to be running full-time then. And that was like February of 2020 that I was going to make this big life change. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, all right, this is maybe not the best time to be (laughs) taking a like somewhat risky life change. And I started doing some freelance for that design agency that I mentioned, which led to a full-time role with them. So I did like my first stab at this and then thought, okay, it's not the right time for it. And then, yeah, like spring of this past year, when kind of some travel opportunities were picking up again, it felt like the right time to bring it up again. And so my husband, Cordis, and I, I point because he's upstairs uh, working in the office above me. <laughs> I, yeah, like a lot of it has just been an ongoing conversation between us of just what we want our balance to look like. So Cordis runs on the Adidas Terex team with me as well. So it's definitely been like a question from people of like, okay, so you get to run full time and he doesn't, <laughs> but Cordis has a job that he um, loves and crushes it at for a company, a tech company called Splunk. He's a engineering sales engineering manager over there. And so he's busy doing that. And I think as that's gotten more demanding for him over the years, like our capacity for things outside of work and running has decreased. So for a while, it felt like we were both just working these full-time jobs, running like at night and trying to squeeze in like home renovations and building a van and all these other things we were trying to be committed to on top of that. And our cumulative load was just too much. So I think like for us, it's been a conversation of balancing. Okay. If we each made a list of how we're spending our time hour by hour of the day, what are the things that we love a lot, feel really fulfilled by? What are the things, what are the things you wish you could outsource, so to speak, you know? And like, how can we best optimize that list between the two of us? So for me, I'm definitely like helping out with more of our life stuff than I, than I was when I was like working full time. And then I think in, in turn, it's like also supporting it. It sets Cordis up for running more effectively to have me handling some of that life stuff during the day. So we're just constantly dialing that load. And maybe there'll come a day where I hold down the fort and work design so that he can be freed up for things. But for now, this felt like the right blend for us. So it's been so far so good. Yeah. And maybe we can dig in more to what the experience has been like. I know you've just given a a bunch of great details, but like from a training standpoint, what has the experience been like? And I want to preface that by, by saying, it's interesting to me that in most professional sports, it's a foregone conclusion that an athlete's going to do whatever they can to just do it full time. Yeah. But when I listen to a lot of interviews with athletes in our sport, both male and female, a lot of them will say, I actually prefer to work like it either a part-time job or a full-time job in addition to my pro career. Yeah. So yeah. Have you seen like a benefit in terms of like training and recovery? Maybe talk about that. You know, I think there has been, it, so this summer was like, we'll call it the, the first kind of experiment of full-time running for me. I had a great race and a not so great race this summer. Like I had Western States, which was like an underwhelming race performance for me and at CCC, which was a really great performance for me. I feel partially going into Western States. Like I was still backlogged with, like I had just quit my job. I think it was only like three weeks before that. So I don't know if I was fully getting like the benefit, so to speak of that flexibility, because I was like tying up loose ends with leaving that job and in the midst of all the training for it. So I don't know if that was the best example, but I do feel like racing CCC this summer, I do feel like there was a sense of professionalism to it. Like I didn't want to just go to the start line feeling like chill and like, I want to go feeling like this is my bloody job. Like I want to go do well and do my best in the same way that if I'm presenting a huge like design project to a client at work, I want to nail it and I want to do my best and I'm going to be serious about it and focused on it. And For me, that was actually like a really positive and freeing thing because I think I'm someone who thinks of running so emotionally and about like my personal journey that it was freeing in a sense to have it not just be purely about that emotional personal journey and have it be uh, a little bit more just like outwardly performance oriented than maybe I'd ever considered it before. 
So that was like, I think a fun surprise to discover and to feel like, to feel like that was a mentality that like I enjoyed putting on as a hat, so to speak. Now that it's off season and I've not had, I've not raced in CCC, we've been busy with like, we just moved to Flagstaff, Arizona from Boulder and like been obviously finding new rhythms and been busy with a lot of things along the way. But I think like the biggest things from a training perspective that are unforeseen benefits are just like making time for a lot of things that I think can easily feel insignificant in the training process of the daily mobility stuff, the like morning routine with like yoga for me, or like some meditation and like making space for sessions and things where it's okay. I don't necessarily think like all these things are making me like fast. It's not like reaping benefits of a workout, like, oh, this made me so much faster, but there's a routine to it that I think allows the whole process to feel a lot more grounded and to not feel like it's, it's a luxurious process to be able to like weave into my day. And I feel like really lucky to be able to do that. But that's like the, I think been the biggest benefit from a training perspective is like the kind of supplemental activities and rest and recovery that go along with it versus like when I was say last year, this time, like finishing a full day of design work and would head out the door at 5.30 when it's pitch black at the time to go for a workout in the pouring snow. It's like, I didn't have the chance to say like, oh, I'm going to go when it's like 10 a.m. and 20 degrees warmer and sunny. So I think I'm, I definitely am like feeling the luxury of that on a daily basis right now of like, wow, how nice that I was able to like choose the time of day when I ran. That's a really big thing. And I, that's not lost on me at all. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, from, yeah. From years not doing it that way. I'm not sure that the body and the mind are really even capable of discriminating between like the stress of a job and the stress that you put on yourself running. And so maybe, maybe that's one of the other big benefits of this whole thing is like now you have this very tough but predictable stress that's only really relegated to the running realm as opposed to like, oh, I got to like put all this hard work into my nine to five and then I'm going to go smash a workout after. Like that's tough. Oh, totally. And I think especially for people listening that are like approaching it that way, which is probably most people, I definitely gained a lot of grit. My grit muscle got strong from those times when I was like going out after work for hill repeats in the dark and tripping on rocks and that's hard stuff. And I think there is a lot to be gained in the toughness department from that is like really special. And I I look back really fondly on those those days. So even though it's a hard way to do it, I think there's a lot of really cool things to be uh, gained. Like I look back fondly on those times still. Do you see this as an ongoing experiment where maybe you're going to head back to some career in design or for the long term, or at least the foreseeable future, are you going to keep like doubling and tripling down on this pro runner lifestyle? I think I'm, I probably talk about it as though it's an ongoing experiment, but the reality is I just am getting ready to um, enter a new three-year contract with um, Adidas starting in January. So this will definitely be my foreseeable future for a bit. I think the question for me is like always figuring out how to be like weaving in like my creative work to what I'm doing. And I think finding ways to continue to make like being an athlete be about more than the training and racing is something I enjoy. Like mentioning earlier, like some of the writing and some of the like kind of mulling over ideas of why it all matters and having that conversation with people. And that's something I like to be involved in a lot. So I feel like there is like definitely room for like my formerly outside of running creative work to make its way into my quote running work. And I'm like excited to see where that heads, like whether it's outside projects, like working with Coop on his book or who knows where it could be. Uh, I want to talk about your move to Flagstaff. So yeah, you just lived in one of the best, well, it might be the trail running Mecca, Boulder, Colorado. What prompted the move? I mean, both are two great locations, but I'm curious to know what inspired it all. Yeah. um, It's a million little things and a lot of it came down to 
a fun change of pace. So Cordis is from the Boulder area originally. So he had always lived there. And I think some of the conversations started as kind of like a, oh, if we ever did live somewhere else, where would that be? To kind of, oh, wow, come to think of it. Whenever we do have time off work, we always want to drive down that way. We always want to be closer to the desert or playing with ideas of like what that might look like for us became a reality around the start of the pandemic was, I think, when we were thinking about it more of what that next step might be. We weren't leaving Boulder because of like negative reasons there. It was more just like a exciting pull to experience a new place and yeah, just like continue to set ourselves up for success with access to the places that we want to go. We're definitely more like on the sun chaser side than like the, you know, crush, like Cordis grew up skiing and everything um, is like, uh, that's definitely been a part of his life over the years. But, and as I say this, of course, you know, there's snow in our backyard here in Flagstaff. So it's definitely still wintry here, but it's been really fun already to pop down to Sedona for a training run go down, do some desert fast packing missions, like in times where it would be traditionally cold elsewhere, having access here to the Grand Canyon, like the range of diverse landscapes and environments around here is, I think probably above all, like what pulled us to this area of feeling like, okay, we're halfway in between the Sierra and the San Juans, Grand Canyon, 90 minutes away on the edge of a rim to weather that's 20 degrees warmer. Like it's just a very unique juxtaposition of things that really drew us here. Yeah. It's, and I'm not that well acquainted with Flagstaff, but it sounds like one of the most geographically diverse places from a training standpoint. Well, at least you're not far in terms of driving to all sorts of different climates, terrains, etc. Yeah. which must be incredible if you're thinking about like all sorts of different races in 2022. Can, yeah. There's all these different ways to prepare. Totally. Yeah. It's, I think it's the largest ponderosa pine forest in the world here, which has been like just made for just some lovely running up at 7,000 feet here. So just a lot of running, a lot of really good trails just right out the door here, which has been a fun thing to discover. And yeah, to that point, like there's so many races that like Cordis and I brainstorm where we go, Oh, this would be a like Canyon would be a great place to train for this. Or Oh, like, you know, these trails around here would be a great place to train for that. So it's, it is fun to like piece together the new environment in terms of how it fits in our uh, greater goals and things we're up to. Yeah. Well, I know you just moved there, but have you had a chance to sort of insert yourself into the community? Like, do you have training partners yet? And was that a big thing for you in Boulder? Are you looking to recreate that here in Flagstaff? Yeah. In Boulder, we definitely had so many like friends and people we would get out with. And that was, that community was like a huge part of life in Boulder for us. And I think like, I don't know if you feel this in Utah too, but I do feel like that community is so always on the go and always out and around that it feels, it feels like leaving Boulder and saying bye to that. Like I know is not like a, is not like a huge goodbye in terms of like, we're going to be seeing people out and about it races, adventures, we'll meet up for go camping and running and that will still continue to be a part of our lives. And I think here in Flagstaff, yeah, we um one of our um Adidas Tarek's teammates, um, Steven lives here. So we've been able to connect with him and he was already a good friend of ours. So it's been fun to like catch some miles with him and already have a teammate here that we know super well. And then yeah, like been meeting some like new friends and people that catch miles with. And that's been like a super fun kind of way to feel welcomed into the community here. It's definitely a little bit, or quite, I would say quite a bit smaller than Boulder. And so I think we are already starting to have some of those small town feels of like running into people easily. And yeah, it's just been like an easy place to get to know. So, so far so good on that front. I, I echo that on the go sentiment of our community. Yeah. I was talking with a friend a couple of days back and we call October and November here in Utah desert season. Like anybody yeah. else in Salt Lake comes down to Moab and St. George and that whole area and just kind of like romps around. And I think almost all of our community, there was like 20 or 30 of us. We were in the desert almost every weekend for those two months. So we, <laughs> weren't, even, awesome. we weren't really even in Salt Lake during that time. So anyway. I, yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. I think even like this summer in Silverton, we were linking up with friends in Boulder that like we hadn't, like it was easier for us to hang out in Silverton than it was back home in Boulder for whatever reason, just with schedules and 
and probably also just being on the go all the time. So I do really like that part of our community a lot too. <laughs> Again, in doing research for the show, I think I became just as fascinated in your like van build out and your home <laughs> renovations as I was your running. So maybe talk a bit about that because like my girlfriend, for example, is absolutely going down all these DIY home renovation rabbit holes. So let's talk about your experience in that realm. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, in 2018 in Boulder, Cordis and I got a little house there in an awesome location that had just sat on the market forever, was, you know, had been a rental for like 30 years and just needed a lot of TLC. And yeah, we spent pretty much the whole time we lived there (laughs) pouring into it and turning it into something cool. And that was like tying together with the threat of leaving Boulder too. It was a cool thing to like take this house that was old and forgotten and bring some life back into it and then pass the torch to someone new as we left Boulder and sold it. So yeah, we worked really hard on that and learned a lot. And we learned a lot of that through my parents who have a big background in that and have done that a lot over the years. And they taught us so much things that I look back at how little we knew going into that process and how much we know now. And yeah, just reinforce so many cool reminders about learning new things, trying like scary things, messing up along the way, botching things, redoing things. I mean, I think there's like a lot. I always want to make parallels with running, <laughs> which there are some obvious ones there. But yeah, that was our house path. And then with the van, we got the van just about exactly a year ago. And it was totally empty blank canvas and spent most of last kind of winter and spring turning it into our uh, now beloved camper van. So yeah, we had that like ready by the start of summer and took it out for a long stretch, like out to Western States and the Sierra. And I think we thought that the home renovation knowledge would go, you know, apply pretty easily to the van, which I think it definitely helped but like the van had a whole kind of new specific set of knowledge with it of new tools, materials, a lot more like metal work and things like that mm. and cutting holes in the vehicle and things that feel uh, a little less daunt or a little more daunting than like working with a more forgiving, like timber frame house and drywall and things like that. So it's been fun, like learning the two. And I think we're in a place now where we don't have too many projects. Like our house doesn't need as many projects as our last one uh, here in Flagstaff, but I think we're addicted at the same time. And I think we'll keep, I don't know. I think those who like know us in our daily life, I think are not surprised when we're ever like, oh yeah, here we're, we're, you know, we just signed up for this new variable that's going to like take over our life somehow. And we joke that like, I think we err on the side of always having a little too much on our plate. So I think we're trying to right now, like sit with some space and not have every night be full of projects and construction and be okay with that. (laughs) But it's fun. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. Well, my understanding is that one of the ways to keep scratching that itch is to flip furniture. So like buy something that's old and outdated and you can go and like put your personal touch on it and resell it on Facebook marketplace. I love that. And it's actually really funny. I'm, I'm laughing because it's like, you know, in the, the tab next to ours are all these like used furniture tabs of <laughs> things oh, I'm trying to look for the house. So I, I'm sure my mind is already going there without me even being aware of what I'm doing. <laughs> one, one last question on this thread, because I know that there are people listening that are interested in this. Do you have any YouTube channels or mm-hmm. Instagram accounts or Pinterest boards that oh. you took a lot of inspiration from in this process that like you think that others should be aware of? Oh yeah. Let's see. House stuff was a little bit more all over the place. Like we would use, like there weren't specific people that we were using as resources as much as more just like general, like putting house boards together. If you know, house, H-O-U-Z-Z, some Pinterest. And, but then for the van, there definitely were some specific ones. There's this guy that there's this one that we really like, Seven O Savage, I think Seven is his Savage. name. Yeah. He does some really cool work. I, I liked a lot of the van tours by this guy, like Ghost Vans, Jared Tochi, I think is his name. The van YouTube rabbit hole is so real. <laughs> so but those are a couple of favorites that come to mind. But yeah, if I think of any more, I'll send them over to you to add into show notes or anything oh, like oh, that. Oh, very, very cool. Definitely, definitely. Two more questions here. The first is... 
Are there any recent books, movies, podcasts that you've listened to that really just left a huge impression on you that you think uh, others should uh, mm. well and be inspired by? Great question. Right now I'm reading a book called The Practice of Groundedness by Brad Stolberg. And he's someone who's writing I'd primarily just like read bits of on the internet and always like really deeply enjoyed. And yeah, I, I um, this was I think was a, a recent book of his that came out. And so far it's been fantastic and something I would highly recommend for anyone who is fascinated by process as it relates to performance and self-acceptance as a way of being grounded and groundedness and how it relates to all of the above. Those are like all themes that are always floating around my mind. So it's definitely one of those books where I feel like I'm wanting to like, you know, underline like half of it. (laughs) I, I highly recommend it. I'm not familiar with some of his other books, but I know folks who have enjoyed a lot of his other writing as well. I think I've read The Passion Paradox. Okay. Yep. That's another I've heard of. Him and maybe Steve Magnus, they did some co-authoring. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we'll get that in the show notes as well. Last yeah. question here. What's on your 2022 schedule? Like if people are following your athletic journey, where are you going to be lining up to race? Yeah. So the first of the first race of the year that I just recently decided on is um, I'm going to go back to Trans Grand Canaria. So that'll be in March. And that was Cordis is my first international race several years ago. And we just got like rocked by it. Like it (laughs) blew our minds wide open. Like I think going from like races in Colorado where we were like, okay, I think we've got a pretty good handle on this ultra running thing. And we just got like the, just, you know, got knocked down by a good dose of humility at that race. It's definitely been one that I've revered over the years and always been excited to return to. So yeah, I'm going to be heading out there in March along with, I think, a good little group of other Adidas teammates. So that should be a fun one. And then also my plan for the year is I'll be returning to CCC again. So that's been interesting to talk about with people because I've definitely had a lot of folks ask like, great. So you had an awesome race at CCC guessing you're doing UTMB this year. And I'm like, nope, I'm actually, I'm going to stick with CCC right now. And I feel really excited about that decision. The whole, like that race and the distance and course and breakdown of it, like really interests me a lot is really great for just hard mountain racing. And I feel like I've still got some things left to do on that course that I'm really excited to keep pursuing. Like it didn't feel like the goal like ended when I crossed that finish line. It felt like I'm still like, I'm still very interested by pursuing that race. So yeah, I'll be going back there and then some other things in between, but those are like the two major ones that I've got penned in for now. Pencil in. <laughs> I got I got to ask one follow-up there. I apologize. Um, no, it's okay. Are, are, are you someone that likes to return to races in general to achieve, I don't want to use the term perfection, but somewhere close to like a resolution on the race. Like I gave my absolute best. Mm-hmm. I got the time I wanted all that stuff because when I look at like the numbers, like you got second place, right? Which is, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's like the best day ever for yeah. 99.9% yeah. of people. No, totally. I mean, I think, so I think in the past, I definitely approached racing more with this idea of returning to improve. I did that like at Leadville, like running Leadville twice in a row. Let's see, a couple other races I've done a number of times, but North Face I did a couple times. But I think that some things have been shifting for me mentally with how I'm approaching performance where I don't feel I don't feel like I'm like seeking performance so hard as I used to be. And that's actually been setting me up for more success, but also just allowing me to enjoy the process of like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm thinking more of the course and how, like how I can have my best day on it than like how that stacked up or looked that day. Gotcha. And that's been like a cool shift to recognize in myself where it feels like, yeah, like even on a good or bad day, Like I'm, it's about me, like trying to empty myself out there versus I feel like a few years ago, I was racing more to try and prove I was capable of something. And now I feel like I know I'm capable of something, but I, 
I want to like master the art of putting that together. That makes sense. Well, that's a perfect place to put a pin in it. One thing on the Trans Grand Canaria front, I'm really excited to see a race there. Coincidentally, there's a couple Salt Lake crushers that are going out to the race. Oh, nice. Uh, I'll see Jimmy Elam, if you know him. He's okay. a really strong runner. Leah Yingling. I don't know if you know Oh, her. awesome. Oh, awesome. Talk to, um, talk to Leah about that. That's cool. Mike McMonagle. So they're all, okay. yeah, there's going to be a great group and I'm sure they'd love to meet you there if you haven't met them already. So. Oh, awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. To connect you guys. Um, oh, that's super smaller, cool. Smaller. Yeah, I love that. Good group. Well, cool. Hey, I seriously, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. I think you've given the audience a ton to think about and I know that a lot of them are now even more excited to follow your journey. So where can they follow you on social and get in touch if they want? Thank you. Um, yeah, my um, they can follow along on Instagram is probably best Abby dot dot K dot Hall H A L L. Um, that's where I'm most active for sure. Um, and then we also have like a um, website blog um, Abby and dot com, which is our repurposed wedding website into a <laughs> blog of our adventures. <laughs> and then um, we've got a YouTube channel too. I think if you just type in like Abby Hall, I'm, I'm not actually sure. Like does one have like a username on YouTube? I don't know. <laughs> we have a YouTube as well. And I'm going to we'll try start posting we'll some more it. videos there. Yeah. Cool. Really excited to, to follow your 2022 season. It was great to meet you. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for listening. As always, if you liked the episode or you are an overall fan of the podcast, please consider sharing this on social media and the same goes for leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Until next time, it is a pleasure to have these conversations and to serve the trail running community.